Let us turn in God's word this morning to Numbers chapter 23. Numbers 23. We will read the first 24 verses of Numbers 23. Balaam said unto Balak, Build me here seven altars, and prepare me here seven oxen and seven rams. Balak did as Balaam had spoken, and Balak and Balaam offered on every altar a bullock and a ram. And Balaam said unto Balak, Stand by thy burnt offering, and I will go. Peradventure the Lord will come to meet me, and whatsoever he showeth me I will tell thee. And he went in high place. And God met Balaam, and he said unto him, I have prepared seven altars, and I have offered upon every altar a bullock and a ram. And the Lord put a word in Balaam's mouth, and said, Return unto Balak, and thus thou shalt speak. He returned unto him, and lo, he stood by his burnt sacrifice, he and all the princes of Moab, And he took up his parable and said, Balak, the king of Moab, hath brought me from Aram out of the mountains of the east, saying, Come, curse me, Jacob, and come, defy Israel. How shall I curse whom God hath not cursed? Or how shall I defy whom the Lord hath not defied? For from the top of the rocks I see him, And from the hills I behold him. Lo, the people shall dwell alone and shall not be reckoned among the nations. Who can count the dust of Jacob and the number of the fourth part of Israel? Let me die the death of the righteous and let my last end be like his. And Balak said unto Balaam, What hast thou done unto me? I took thee to curse mine enemies and behold, Thou hast blessed them altogether. And he answered and said, Must I not take heed to speak that which the Lord hath put in my mouth? And Balak said unto him, Come, I pray thee with me unto another place, from whence thou mayest see them. Thou shalt see but the utmost part of them, and shalt not see them all, and curse me them from thence. And he brought him into the field of Zophim to the top of Pisgah and built seven altars and offered a bullock and a ram on every altar. And he said unto Balak, Stand here by thy burnt offering while I meet the Lord yonder. And the Lord met Balaam and put a word in his mouth and said, Go again unto Balak and say thus. And when he came to him, behold, He stood by his burnt offering and the princes of Moab with him. And Balak said unto him, What hath the Lord spoken? And he took up his parable and said, Rise up, Balak, and hear. Hearken unto me, thou son of Zippor. God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? Behold, I have received commandment to bless, and he hath blessed, and I cannot 
3, verse 6. He hath not beheld iniquity in Jacob, neither hath he seen perverseness in Israel. The Lord his God is with him, and the shout of a king is among them. God brought them out of Egypt. He hath, as it were, the strength of an unicorn. Surely there is no enchantment against Jacob, neither is there any divination against Israel. According to this time it shall be said of Jacob and of Israel, What hath God wrought? Behold, the people shall rise up as a great lion, and lift up himself as a young lion. He shall not lie down until he eat of the prey and drink the blood of the slain. Thus far we read God's holy and inspired word. May God bless the reading of his holy scriptures unto our hearts. The text that we consider this morning is the 21st verse of Numbers chapter 23. He hath not beheld iniquity in Jacob, neither hath he seen perverseness in Israel. The Lord his God is with him, and the shout of a king is among them. Beloved congregation in the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who speaks the words of the text for the sermon this morning is Balaam. Balaam was a wicked man who had developed a bit of a reputation for having magical powers. And so if any felt that they needed some sort of assistance, magical help in their lives, they could then go unto Balaam, this sorcerer, and ask Balaam to pronounce words that would give to them divine assistance. Balak, king of the Moabites, was frightened. Balak was frightened because of the advancement of the Israelites up to the edge of his land. Balak, king of the Moabites, had heard of how the Israelites had destroyed other nations throughout their wilderness wanderings. Balak, having heard of the military might of the Israelites, became frightened for himself and for the nation of the Moabites. Balak, desperate for protection, turned to wicked sorcerer Balaam and hired Balaam to pronounce curses upon the nation of Israel. But what this text makes clear is that Balaam's mouth was controlled. So instead of Balaam speaking what Balak had wanted him and hired him to speak, Balaam spoke God's words. God placed on Balaam's tongue a speech. Verse 16, And the Lord met Balaam and put a word in his mouth. And said, go again unto Balak and say thus. 
And so the words of the text are not so much the words of the wicked sorcerer as they are the words and the judgment of God himself. God said of Israel, He has not beheld iniquity in Jacob, neither hath he seen perverseness in Israel. So let's consider this text this morning under the theme, God's not beholding iniquity. First, we'll consider the question, can it be true? And second, we'll see the reason for it. In this text, through the mouth of Balaam, God was pronouncing his verdict, his judgment upon the nation of Israel. This verdict that God spoke upon the Israelites was a verdict that would have no small consequences for them as a nation. It was a verdict that would determine whether they were righteous or whether they were unrighteous. A judgment that would declare whether they were holy or unholy. It would have everlasting consequences for the nation of Israel. If the judgment of God upon Israel was that the Israelites were unholy and unrighteous, then God would not open up unto the Israelites the promised land of Canaan. Then God would not have an inheritance in store for them. But if it was the case that God, as he gave this verdict upon the Israelites, would find that they were guilty and sinful and unholy, then the justice of God would require that the Israelites be destroyed for their wickedness. The one making this judgment is Jehovah God Himself. Balaam did not have the ability to examine every person in the nation of Israel and evaluate whether they were righteous or unrighteous. But what Balaam lacked, Jehovah God was able to do. Jehovah God is the one who looks from his vantage point in heaven. Psalm 14, verse 2. The Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and seek God. As Jehovah God looked from his heavenly vantage point upon the nation of Israel, gathered there right on the edge of the territory of the Moabites, Jehovah God saw everything, including the hearts and the minds and the will of the people of the nation of Israel. Hebrews 4 verse 13. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and opened unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. So we've seen that this was a verdict. It would have everlasting consequences. We've seen it was a judgment or a verdict that would be given by God who sees and knows all things. 
so that nothing can be hid from God. Now, who's the object of this evaluation, this judgment? It wasn't the Moabites who were being examined by God to see if they were righteous and holy in the sight of God. But it was Jacob. It was Israel. He hath not beheld iniquity in Jacob, neither hath he seen perverseness in Israel. So what does this mean for you this morning? know who Jacob and who Israel is? It's you. The members of the New Testament church. We are not concerned in this morning with the behavior of your neighbor. We are not concerned about the righteousness of the person, other person in, in your pathway. But the person being evaluated being judged by Jehovah God Himself is you. New Testament Israel. You have examined your hearts and your souls in this week gone by after you have examined your hearts, what would your judgment of your own self be? Would you, after having looked at your life according to the standard of the law of God, say now as you stand before that law of God, I'm righteous. There is no iniquity in me at all. That's what God does in this text. As God looked upon Old Testament Israel with eyes that saw everything, the God who knew the hearts of His people, He declared of Old Testament Israel, yet not beheld iniquity in Jacob, neither hath He seen perverseness in Israel. How could that be? That Jehovah God would have that verdict upon Old Testament Israel. Certainly Jehovah God knew of sins in Old Testament Israel, did He not? God knew of the fact that the Israelites had murmured against Him, not just once or twice, but time and time again. They murmured against Jehovah God. He's the one who knew that they murmured against Him because even of the food that He had given unto him, uh, unto them. They grew weary of that manna. And they murmured and they complained against God. And now He says of them, I see no perverseness and no iniquity in Israel. God knew that there were sins in Old Testament Israel against the seventh 
commandments. If you turn your head in your Bibles, just two chapters forward, in Numbers chapter 25, the very first verse, tells us that the Israelites committed whoredoms with the Moabites. The same people, whom they're supposed to be living antithetically against them, these Israelites are going to go and commit whoredoms with Moab. God knew that. And yet God says of Israel, I have not beheld iniquity or perverseness in Jacob. How can it be? God knew of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. How they led a rebellion against Moses, the authority figure whom God had called to lead Israel through the wilderness. God knew that there were struggles in Israel of weakness of faith, doubt, doubting the promises and the goodness of God. How can it be that God says He doesn't behold any perverseness or iniquity in Jacob? How could it be for you? That's the application for today. As members of the New Testament church. Or of the seed of Jacob. Spiritually. Who have been adopted into the covenant of grace. How could it be? As God looks upon you. The Loveland Protestant Reformed Congregation. God's judgment and God's verdict is that He sees no perverseness or iniquity in you as a church. It's not that God is ignorant of sins in this congregation. God knows of the murmurings Armorings, not just about physical food, but about spiritual food. Complaining about the preaching or the lack thereof. God knows that there are marriage problems, sins against the seventh commandment in this congregation. There's a lack of holiness and purity. God knows that there are members who have come under that same evil influence of those who followed Korah, Dathan, and Abiram who do not respect authority, who will complain about every decision that the elders make, who will speak under their breath, against authority figures. God knows that. He knows, He sees from His vantage point in heaven that there's weakness of faith that characterizes so many of the members of the church. Fears and anxieties that rise up because we do not cast our cares upon the Lord. 
And yet, in spite of all of those sins that God knows, God's judgment on this congregation is that he hath not beheld iniquity in Jacob, neither hath he seen perverseness in Israel. How can it be? Then you know what happens is the devil comes along and the devil would have us think about all of these sins and all of the weaknesses of faith that we have and the devil would have us then start to doubt the word of God. You see, the devil does not care if you give a general assent unto the truths of the Holy Scripture, so long as you doubt the particular application of the Word of God to your life. And so the devil would have you start to doubt and start to wonder, well, maybe this is true for others in the church, but this there is no way that this can be true for me personally. There's no way that as God looks upon me as an individual, that God would say of me that He sees no perverseness and no iniquity in me. Or the devil would have us start to think that perhaps God is not being forthright with us, completely honest with us. He would have us think that perhaps God is hiding something from us. Hiding the full reality of the seriousness and the grossness of our sins from us. Maybe the devil would have us think that God is doing this to us with a good motive. Like a parent to a child. A parent tells the child to go clean the room. And then after the child has cleaned the room, then the parent goes and evaluates the cleanliness of the room. And the parent sees that there are little things that are left undone. Things that could be improved in the cleanliness of the room. But the parent, not wanting to discourage the child, tells that child, well done. You did an excellent job cleaning your room. And so that's what's going on here in this verse. Is God withholding something from us? Perhaps out of God's love and God's tender care for us, lest we be overwhelmed with the weight of the seriousness of our sins, that as God looks upon us, yes, He sees our sins, but God isn't going to tell us about those sins. Lest we be too discouraged, God just kind of swipes those to the side and says of us, I don't behold any iniquity in Jacob or Israel. Is that what's going on here in this verse? And in the judgment day, God is not going to hold back anymore. And then He's going to tell us the seriousness of our sins. That's what the devil would have us think. It cannot be that God is hiding something from us. God doesn't lie. Just a couple of verses prior We're told this, verse 19, God is not a man 
that he should lie, neither the Son of Man, that he should repent. Hath he said, and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? For what reason does God say of you, he beholds no iniquity, no perverseness in you. The reason for it is given to us in the second half of verse 21. The Lord, His God, is with Him. And the shout of a king is among them. That's why, as God evaluated Old Testament Israel, He could say of them, I have not seen perverseness or iniquity in you because God was with them. For a long time now, God had been with Old Testament Israel. God had been with them since He had established His covenant with Abraham some 400 years prior. At that time, God came unto His servant Abraham and promised Abraham that He would make a great nation out of him. God promised that he would give unto Abraham a land that was rich and that was flowing with milk and with honey. And ever since God appeared unto Abraham and gave him that covenant promise, God has been with Old Testament Israel. God was with them in Egypt when they were captives there. God caused Israel to prosper and grow into a mighty nation in the land of Egypt. God was with Israel as He brought them out of captivity, delivered them through the Red Sea, and then drowned the ensuing Pharaoh and his hosts in that same Red Sea. God had been with Old Testament Israel throughout their wilderness wanderings. He was the one who had given unto them water from the rock, manna from heaven. He was the one who guided them with that Shekinah cloud. God had been with Old Testament Israel in the Ark of the Covenant where they fellowshiped with the Almighty God who created them and who sustained them in the wilderness. The Lord, His God, is with Him. And the shout of a king is among them. But how does the presence of the Lord with Old Testament Israel, explain the fact that as God evaluated Israel, He saw no perverseness and no iniquity in them. Is it not this, beloved? That is God, from His vantage point in heaven, looked down upon Israel and evaluated them. God was evaluating Himself. God was with them. And the shout of a king was among them. And so as God looked over old Testament Israel and evaluated and judged to see 
whether there was any sins, whether there was any lawlessness, whether there was any transgressions of the laws that Jehovah God had given unto them, Jehovah God was evaluating Himself. The nation was so intimately united unto Jehovah that the nation could not be separated from God and evaluated independently of Jehovah God. The following verses make clear that the existence and the preservation of the nation of Israel depended upon Jehovah God. Verse 22. God brought them out of Egypt. He hath, as it were, the strength of an unicorn. Surely there is no enchantment against Jacob. Neither is there any divination against Israel. According to this time, it shall be said of Jacob and of Israel, What hath God wrought? That's the exclamation of the saint. And that is the decisive question with regard to your and my salvation. What hath God wrought? For us as New Testament saints, as Jehovah God looks upon the church and evaluates her and judges her, The decisive question is, has God, through Jesus Christ, covered the sins of the members of His church? Did Christ, to the uttermost farthing, pay for the sins of His people? Did Christ atone for the murmurings, for the lust that rises up in the hearts of God's people? Did Christ atone for the complaining, the rebelliousness, the weakness of faith? That characterizes the children of God. Your coming to the Lord's table this morning depends. Not upon your fidelity. But upon the faithfulness of Jesus Christ. If Jesus completely satisfied the demands of of God Himself, then come. Come to the Lord's table, believing that as Jehovah God looks upon you, He views you not as you are by nature, but He views you as you are in Jesus Christ. And as God sees you in Jesus Christ, He sees that His Son made the complete satisfaction He drank that cup of God's wrath, even to the bitter dregs thereof, so that there is nothing that is left outstanding on your account as you stand before God. Come, believing that God for Jesus Christ declares upon you, the member of the New Testament church, that I have not seen iniquity or perverseness in you.
come. Because God is not a man that He should lie, neither the Son of Man that He should repent. Come by faith. Which is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Amen. Let us pray. Father and our God in heaven, we thank Thee for Thy word. We thank Thee for Thy grace grace unto us in forgiving us our sins and in declaring unto us that we are righteous and holy in Thy sight. That Thou use our partaking of heavenly meat and drink for the strengthening of our faith. Thou keep us for Jesus' sake. Amen.